0: Hello there, and welcome to episode 5 of Down to Sleep, a podcast of softly spoken stories to help you drift off. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, You've got a minute or so here to get comfortable before the story begins. I just want to say thank you for joining me tonight, letting me read to you. I hope you're doing well, and you're ready to get some restful sleep. Today we're going to be reading The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. If you're enjoying this podcast and you would like to support it or get extra episodes, I do have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash down to sleep. Where For your support, you will get extra episodes at least once a week, which can be totally new readings, short stories, or for example, this week I revisited Alice and read another couple of chapters there from Alice in Wonderland. So if you're enjoying that one, you can pick up the rest of that there. And uh, every episode is twice as long as well. Now, let's begin today's book. Um, I think there are some interesting names in this book. I have had a glance at the pronunciation uh, that Rudyard Kipling himself wrote for these, and we will see how we go with some of these names. I will do my best. The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. Mowgli's Brothers. It was seven o'clock of a very warm evening in the Sioni Hills when Father Wolf woke up from his day's rest, scratched himself, yawned, and spread out his paws, one after the other to get rid of the sleepy feeling in the tips. Mother Wolf lay with her big grey nose, dropped across her four tumbling, squealing cubs, and the moon shone into the mouth of the cave where they all lived. It is time to hunt again, said Father Wolf. He was going to spring downhill, when a little shadow with a bushy tail crossed the threshold and whined, Good luck go with you, O chief of the wolves, and good luck, and strong white teeth go with noble children, that they may never forget the hungry in this world. It was the jackal, Tabaki, the dish licker, and the wolves of India despise Tabaki because he runs about making mischief and telling tales, eating rags and pieces of leather from the village rubbish heaps, but they are afraid of him too, because Tabaki, more than anyone else in the jungle, is apt to go mad. And then he forgets that he was ever afraid of anyone and runs through the forest, biting everything in his way. Even the tiger runs and hides when little Tabaki goes mad. For madness is the most disgraceful thing that can overtake a wild creature. We call it hydrophobia. They call it Diwani, the madness, and run. Enter then and look, said Father Wolf stiffly. "'but there is no food here.' "'For a wolf, no,' said Tabaki. "'But for so mean a person as myself, a dry bone is a good feast. "'Who are we, the Gidolog, which means the jackal people, to pick and choose?' "'He scuttled to the back of the cave where he found the bone of a buck with some meat on it, "'and sat, cracking the end merrily. "'All thanks for this good meal,' he said, licking his lips.' How beautiful are the noble children, how large are their eyes, and so young too! Indeed, indeed, I might have remembered that the children of kings are men from the beginning. Now Tabaki knew as well as anyone else that there is nothing so unlucky as to compliment children to their faces. It pleased him to see Mother and Father Wolf look uncomfortable. Tabaki sat still, rejoicing in the mischief he had made, and then he said spitefully, Shere Khan, the big one has shifted his hunting grounds. He will hunt among these hills for the next moon, so he has told me. Shere Khan was the tiger who lived near the Wangunga River, twenty miles away. He has no right, Father Wolf began angrily. By the law of the jungle, he has no right to change his quarters without due warning. He will frighten every head of game within ten miles, and I have to kill for two these days. His mother did not call him the lungry lame one, for nothing said Mother Wolf quietly. He's been lame in one foot from his birth. That is why he has only killed cattle. Now the villagers of the Wangunga are angry with him, and he has come here to make our villagers angry. They will scour the jungle for him when he is far away, and we and our children must run when the grass is set alight. Indeed, we're very grateful to Shere Khan. Shall I tell him of your gratitude, said Tabaki? Out snapped father wolf out and hunt with thy master thou hast done harm enough for one night i go said Tabaki quietly ye can hear shere khan below in the thickets i might have saved myself the message father wolf listened and below in the valley that ran down to a little river he heard a dry angry snarly sing-song whine of a tiger who has caught nothing and does not care All the jungle knows it. The fool, said Father Wolf, to begin a night's work with that noise. Does he think that our buck are like the fat wangunga bullocks? It is neither bullock nor buck that he hunts tonight, said Mother Wolf. It is man. The wine had changed to a sort of humming purr that seemed to come from every quarter of the compass. It was the noise that bewilders woodcutters and gypsies sleeping in the open and makes them run, sometimes, into the very mouth of the tiger. Man, said Father Wolf, showing all of his white teeth, are there not enough beetles and frogs in the tanks that he must eat man, and on our ground too? The law of the jungle, which never orders anything without a reason, forbids every beast to eat man, except when he is killing to show his children how to kill, and then he must hunt outside the hunting grounds of his pack or tribe. The real reason for this is that man-killing means sooner or later the arrival of white men on elephants with guns, and hundreds of brown men with gongs and rockets and torches, then everybody in the jungle suffers. The reason the beasts give among themselves is that man is the weakest and most defenseless of all living things, and it is unsportsmanlike to touch him. They say too, and it is true, that man-eaters become mangy and lose their teeth. The burr grew louder and ended in a full-throated roar of the tiger's charge. A howl, an untigerish howl from Shere Khan. He's missed, said Mother Wolf. What is it? Father Wolf ran out a few paces and heard Shere Khan muttering and mumbling savagely as he tumbled about in the scrub. "'The fool has had no more sense than to jump at a woodcutter's fire and burned his feet,' said Father Wolf with a grunt. "'Tabaki is with him.' "'Something is coming uphill,' said Mother Wolf, twitching one ear. "'Get ready.' The bushes rustled a little in the thicket, and Father Wolf dropped with his haunches under him, ready for his leap. Then, if you had been watching— You would have seen the most wonderful thing in the world the wolf checked in mid-spring he made his bound before he saw what it was he was jumping at and then he tried to stop himself the result was that he shot up straight into the air for four or five feet landing almost where he left ground man he snapped a man cub look directly in front of him holding on by a low branch stood a naked brown baby who could just walk as soft and as dimpled a little atom as ever came to a wolf's cave at night. He looked up into Father Wolf's face, and laughed. Is that a man-cub? said Mother Wolf. I've never seen one. Bring it here. A wolf, accustomed to moving his own cubs, can, if necessary, mouth an egg without breaking it. And though Father Wolf's jaws closed right on the child's back, not a tooth even scratched the skin. "'as he laid it down among the cubs. "'How little, how naked, how bold,' said Mother softly. "'The baby was pushing his way between the cubs "'to get close to the warm hide. "'He is taking his meal with the others, "'and so this is a man's cub. "'Now, was there ever a wolf "'that could boast of a man-cub among her children?' "'I have heard now and again of such a thing, "'but never in our pack or in my time,' said Father Wolf.' He is altogether without hair, and I could kill him with a touch of my foot. But see, he looks up and is not afraid. The moonlight was blocked out of the mouth of the cave, for Shere Khan's great square head and shoulders were thrust into the entrance. Tabaki behind him squeaking, My lord, my lord, it went in there. Shere Khan does us great honor, said Father Wolf, but his eyes were very angry. What does Shere Khan need? My quarry, a man's cub went this way, said Shere Khan. Its parents have run off. Give it to me. Shere Khan had jumped at a woodcutter's fire, as Father Wolf had said, and was furious from the pain of his burned feet. But Father Wolf knew that the mouth of the cave was too narrow for a tiger to come in by. Even where he was... Sheer Khan's shoulders and forepaws were cramped for want of room, as a man's would be if he tried to fight in a barrel. "'The wolves are a free people,' said Father Wolf. "'They take orders from the head of the pack, and not from any striped cattle killer. The man's cub is ours to kill if we choose.' Ye choose and ye do not choose. What talk is this of choosing by the bull that I killed? Am I to stand nosing into your dog's den for my fair dues? It is I, Shere Khan, who speaks. The tiger's roar filled the cave with thunder. Mother Wolf shook herself clear of the cubs and sprang forward, her eyes like two green moons in the darkness facing the blazing eyes of Shere Khan. And it is I, Raksha, the demon, who answers The man cub is mine, lungry, mine to me. He shall not be killed. He shall live to run with the pack and to hunt with the pack, and in the end look you, hunter of little naked cubs, frog eater, fish killer, he shall hunt thee. Now get hence, or by the sample that I killed. Back thou goest to thy mother, burned beast of the jungle, lamer than ever thou camest into the world, go. Father Wolf looked on amazed. He had almost forgotten the days when he won Mother Wolf in a fair fight from five other wolves, when she ran in the pack and was not called the demon for compliments' sake. Shere Khan might have faced Father Wolf, but he could not stand up against Mother Wolf, for he knew that where he was she had all the advantage of the ground and would fight to the death. So he backed out of the cave mouth growling, and when he was clear he shouted, Each dog barks in his own yard. We will see what the pack will say to this fostering of man-cubs. The cub is mine, and to my teeth he will come in the end, O bush-tailed thieves. Mother Wolf threw herself down panting among the cubs, and Father Wolf said to her gravely, Shere Khan speaks this much truth, the cub must be shown to the pack. Wilt thou still keep him, Mother? keep him she gasped he came naked by night alone and very hungry yet he was not afraid look he has pushed one of my babes to one side already and that lame butcher would have killed him and would have run off to the wine while the villagers were hunted through all our lairs in revenge assuredly i will keep him lie still little frog mowgli for mowgli the frog i will call thee The time will come when thou will hunt Shere Khan as he has hunted thee. What will our pack say? said Father Wolf. The law of the jungle lays down very clearly that any wolf may, when he marries, withdraw from the pack he belongs to, but as soon as his cubs are old enough to stand on their feet, he must bring them to the pack council, which is generally held once a month at full moon, in order that the other wolves may identify them. "'and after that inspection, the cubs are free to run where they please. "'And until they have killed their first buck, no excuse is accepted. "'If a grown wolf of the pack kills one of them, "'the punishment is death, where the murderer can be found, "'and if you think for a minute, you will see that this must be so.' "'Father Wolf waited till his cubs could run a little, "'and then, on the night of the pack meeting, "'took them and Mowgli and Mother Wolf to the council rock.' a hilltop covered with stones and boulders where a hundred wolves can hide. Akela, the great grey lone wolf who led all the pack by strength and cunning, lay out at full length on his rock. And below him sat forty or more wolves of every size and colour, from badger-coloured veterans who could handle a buck alone to young black three-year-olds who thought they could. The lone wolf had led them for a year now. He had fallen twice into a wolf trap in his youth, and once he had been beaten and left for dead, so he knew the manners and customs of men. There was very little talking at the rock. The cubs tumbled over each other in the centre of the circle where their mothers and fathers sat, and now and again a senior wolf would quietly go up to a cub, look at him carefully, and return to his place on noiseless feet. Sometimes a mother would push her cub far out into the moonlight to be sure that it had not been overlooked. Akela from his rock would cry Ye know the law, ye know the law Look well o' wolves And the anxious mothers would take up the call Look, look well o' wolves At last Mother wolf's neck bristles lifted At the same time Father wolf pushed Mowgli the frog as they called him Into the centre where he sat laughing And playing with some pebbles that glistened in the moonlight Akela never Raised his head from his paws But went on with the monotonous cry Look well A muffled roar came up from behind the rock, the voice of Shere Khan crying. The cub is mine. Give him to me. What have the free people to do with a man's cub? And that is where we shall close the book on tonight's episode. Hopefully you are fast asleep by now. If not, I hope you get there soon. If you would like to hear the rest of this reading, you can do so at patreon.com slash sleep. Where every episode is around twice as long, and there are bonus episodes at least once a week. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, you can get this podcast on Spotify into your favorite podcast apps, however you want to listen to this podcast. You can find the feed at DowntosleepPodcast.com. So until next week, happy sleeping and good night.